Rise and shine for National Biscuit Month with Hardy's famous buttermilk biscuits. Made with love from scratch, fresh all morning. It's not the easy way, but it's the right way. Hardy's goodness in the making. FA Nation, welcome, welcome. Uh, apologies for not making it last week for Talladega, but it's Talladega. Uh, <laughs> for cash games, you stack the back. For GPPs, you mix it up. You throw some darts. Uh, I made one lineup. It was looking actually pretty good through the first two and a half stages. Uh, finished just outside the money, unfortunately, with some late race shuffling. Uh, overall, the Playoff field or the playoff schedule continues this week. We have the Roval. Matt, how's it going? I haven't been able to catch much um, cup racing the last couple of weeks just because when I was on vacation, uh, another day I was working and just NFL just seems to dominate every TV at the bar. Uh, but I am mostly excited for the Roval. I do love getting a lot of DFS exposure uh, during road courses. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I I really like this this track. I'm glad that it has worked out. I remember when everybody was like questioning why Charlotte would would I don't know do this to its track, and then it worked phenomenally the first year, and then the second year was it the second year we got the famous chase uh, burnout? I believe so. Twenty nineteen the wall at the start of stage three, and then came back and won it, and then did the gladiator burnout that i like to call it um yeah i I really i really enjoy this race it's actually on nbc this week so don't have to go streaming it on usa or you know go find it on an app somewhere it's actually on uh basic cable this week so that's a bonus Um, i'm with you on talladega i mean obviously did the solo pod last week due to scheduling stuff um and then it was basically you know Dart throws because it's Talladega this weekend. I don't know. Do you think it's going to be another dart throw weekend, given what we've seen on the Roval style tracks this year? Um, I don't know. Like just the nature of Talladega, Daytona, and now Atlanta. It's just I go into those races um, like every week. Not so much really caring about where drivers start. I mean. It, that does play an influence when I start building like lineup construction, <clears throat> but honestly, like I do want like leverage plays. I love playing Landon Castle at Super Speedways when he's in the Cup Series. He's always under like ten percent owned. I always feel like he pays off in some form or fashion. Like he's always starting outside the top thirty. He's got top twenty upside, you know. Like, it, and no one ever plays him just because, you know, like they don't really just understand like what happens at Talladega, and he'll ride around the back most of the time, and just move up just by avoiding the wreck. Um, but again, you know, I don't, I haven't seen as many Roval races as probably you have. Granted, there's only been like a handful, uh, but I didn't really get into like the DFS aspect of NASCAR until a few years ago. Um, so I don't really think that there's as much variance. Um, obviously with a road course like Indy, as we've seen the last two years, there's a ton of variance. So I kind of what I was thinking is like, if you look back at like the actual road races this year right there there hasn't been that much chaos at the actual road races yeah but if you look at the roval style um road races oh, okay so and indy kind of plays into that right because even though it's not like super high banked it's still a road course built off of an oval right um whereas like sonoma was pretty standard coda was pretty standard Road America was a snooze fest. Yes. Um, Watkins Glen, to a degree, was fairly standard. So, I don't know. You know, we we do see, I will say that if there is weather in the forecast, which I haven't double-checked for Charlotte yet, we will see rain tires on these cars. (laughs) Whoop-dee-doo. And last year, (laughs) it was nuts with the rain tires on these cars. Um a year or two ago um it was it was chaos so i think i'm gonna build a a, you know one for a standard road race 
And then, you know, I'm going to build some lineups for standard road race and then some boring case chaos kind of happens and there's a lot of shuffling um, that can happen. But, you know, speaking of that, are you changing your strategy with Chase this week? Because he's so good on road courses and he's won here twice. But he's on a road course this year. No. I don't think so. Did he win Watkins Glen? Oh my God, that wasn't even that long ago. Yeah, I I can't. I'm spacing now, but I um. Did I know Reddick won Watkins Glen. Radio. What was I that? Know, I know Reddick won two road courses. I know one of them was Road America. Right. Uh, Chase finished fourth at Watkins Glen. Kyle Larson won Watkins Glen. There you go. So Chase is not one of <laughs> this year. Because uh, you've had Reddick win two. Chastain has won one, right? Suarez. Suarez won one. Um, so I don't know, but I was just saying, like, he got the win at Talladega last weekend. So now he's locked into the round of eight. Do we think that he's trying to make everybody else point in and increase his points lead? Or is he just starting to prep for what should be a fairly basic round in the round of eight? I still think that there's some weight equity with him. I mean, last I checked on DraftKings Sportsbook, he was, I think, a five to one favorite to win, and Reddick, I think, was right behind him at uh, seven or six to one. Um, I mean, you bring up a really good point. I don't like operating under the mindset that you know these guys go into cruise control when they lock in their spot, their spot in the next round, especially when he's gone out here and won twice in the last three years. Um. <clears throat> I'll pay attention to his commentary and what he's saying and essentially how the car looks in practice and qualifying and, and see what the case is. I find it, I am going to operate as if I think that he's, you know, going to be running out there for a top five and a win. Yeah, I would say, I don't think he's going to be on cruise control. It's hard to turn it off when it's your specialty mm-hmm. and making it so that everybody else has to point in is certainly an advantage. Um, but I do think that, that the round of eight is a very interesting setup for these guys because it's basically the most normal round we have in the playoffs because you get Vegas, you get Homestead, and you get Martinsville. Three great tracks, though. Yes. Phenomenal racing, and we're going to yeah. see a whole lot of uh, bump and runs happen in Martinsville <laughs> when people absolutely need the last spot. But I will say that you know, forcing people to have to point their way in on a track that they're probably not great at at the Roval is probably Chase Elliott's best strategy at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, let's, uh, you want to just dive into some news really quick? I mean, we briefly yeah. alluded to the Kevin Harvick uh, penalty. He's already out of the playoffs, but it's a sizable monetary uh, fine. What was the issue with the car last week that they found in post race tech? Uh, the deck lid was apparently the rear deck lid was apparently messed up. I'm not entirely sure how it was changed, but that is a part that NASCAR gives them that they are not allowed to change at all. So uh, Kevin Harvick was surprise, surprise. Uh, that was his reaction on Twitter because you know he's been all over the uh, governing body the last two weeks for safety stuff. Um, but I also don't think they're going to target like him specifically because he's already out of the playoffs um so i don't know if they were going to target anybody i would think they would target denny who basically said there needs to be completely total totally new leadership from top to bottom in nascar um but he didn't have a problem at talladega so um you know we'll, we'll see i think the bigger news is that rodney childers is suspended for four weeks um, so basically the rest of the season till Phoenix, basically. Um, and it was a pretty hefty fine. 
So we'll we'll see. I have not heard any news about William Byron's appeal. Have you seen anything about? No, I, I occasionally see Pockers jump in and just confirm like when like uh he'll say something like William Byron's appeal will not be heard this week. I haven't really heard anything official about that either. Um, I am curious to hear like what you have to think about the safety of the car. That's obviously been a hot topic as you were just kind of talking about before. But like here we are, this late in the season, and obviously like the impact and the wrecks have taken a toll. Like we. You know, there, we had we had two I, I, playoff drivers. You know, Kurt Busch is is out with a concussion. Alex Bowman is out once again. Noah Gregson's going to be in the forty eight for him. Cody, is that kind of just stealing the luster from you know the next gen cars first season and how this season is coming to an end when you have two full time drivers, two notable and recognizable guys, and they're just not racing? Yeah, it definitely steals the luster. Don't want to forget Cody Ware, who's also not in the car this week because it's his ankle is not. Uh, in a place to deal with a road course. Um, but, you know, specifically with, I know that Cody Ware's hit was massive and Kurt Busch's hit was massive. The Bowman one to me is way more interesting because he basically tapped the back of the car against the wall. Like it's, it's not what you would consider to be a major damage. And then you watch his head inside the car and it just bobbles all over the place. So, yeah, something in that car is too stiff is what I think it comes down to. Like, whether the floor is is too stiff or the diffuser or something, they are shifting all of the forces to the driver rather than dissipating the forces away from the car like the previous one did. So, I think there's going to be a pretty big redo for next year, I would assume. Um, for the most part, I think the tire issue has been basically solved. I think Goodyear kept harping on the fact that it was the team setting the tires too low. Um, they were doing it because, you know, aside from Texas, um, we haven't really had that many tire issues in the second half of the season, really. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm on board with, Harvick and Hamlin to a degree that safety was not listened to. The drivers brought this up. It tests in December and January for the next-gen car, and it seems like they were ignored. Not really anything you're going to do about it with five races to go in the season. Um, But it is a shame that Kurt Busch is basically, I would assume, is probably going to end his career at this point. Um, And... Alex Bowman, I mean, I'm glad they're taking concussions seriously, but it, it's definitely not great that it's basically knocked two drivers out of the playoffs for something that's not really their fault. Uh, last bit of news from the past week, A.J. Allmendinger is going to be back in the Cup Series full-time. I'm actually curious, like, because I know he event, he retired a few years ago, came back on a part-time schedule with Colleague, just doing a handful of races. I think that was in 2020. Came back full-time in 2021. Obviously did another full-time season at Xfinity in 2022. I am surprised. Like, Do, do you think that a full-time opportunity at the cup level was somewhat pushed on him by Colleague? Because for me, it seemed like he liked the schedule with Xfinity because Xfinity doesn't run every weekend like Cup does. You know, there are sporadic weeks off. Um, a veteran like him, it allows him more time to be with his family. Um, so I, I I was a little surprised because it seemed like he was genuinely happy just running the Xfinity schedule. Yeah, I was a little I was a little surprised too. For Colleague, it makes a lot of sense because if you think about it. The 31 car was manned full-time by Justin Haley this year, right? That's not changing next year, nor should it. Justin Haley's had a pretty solid season in that car. Um, the 16 car, though, they had a pretty big – because keep in mind, it was it was three different drivers that were in the 16 car this year, right? It was Almondinger, it was Noah Graxon, and it was a little bit of Daniel Hemrick. Well, Graxon's got a full-time ride in the 42 next year. Hemrick, I don't think they want any parts of him in the Cup Series again because <laughs> didn't do. He hasn't done anything to prove that, frankly, he should stick in the Xfinity Series either. But 
whatever. Um, so I think for them, it's just easier to put Dinger in the car and get an open ride to keep developing talent in the Xfinity series. Because they only have the one, do they have the one car in the Xfinity series or do they have two cars in the Xfinity series? I'm sorry, you kind of broke up right there. Oh, I was saying, do they have one car in the Xfinity series or two? They have three. They have three. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm not sure what the status like. Are the other two full time next year? Uh, I don't know the status of Castle or Hemrick. I I'm imagining that they'll both be back in their cars. I know Chandler Smith is getting bumped up from trucks, right. switching from TRD and joining Chevy and colleague. Which is a nice promotion for him. He deserves it. It's definitely a nice promotion for him going to this team <clears throat> full-time. So, I don't know. Maybe they sweeten the deal a little bit for him. But I'm kind of with you. Like, I was kind of surprised that he came back full-time to the Cup Series knowing that there's one off weekend next year for the Cups, for the Cup cars. One. Father's Day weekend is the only off weekend again for a Cup Series. So, I'm with you. I was kind of surprised. Uh, I will say I'm pretty excited. Uh, I mean, granted, for DFS, I think that next year Xfinity is going to be as high variance as ever, just with so much youth in the series. But, you know, it's nice to get some fresh faces fresh faces in good equipment. You know, I've liked what we've seen from RCR with Sheldon Creed and Austin Hill. Um, I don't really know what JGR is going to do, but I would like to see John Hunter Nemechek get one of the JGR cars, um, either vacated by Brandon Jones, who's moving over to JRM, or Ty Gibbs, who's going to probably make the jump to Cup. Um, yeah, do we know that that's a fait accompli at this point? Like, that Ty Gibbs is going to Cup? Yeah. Um, or do I would we say think it's probably 96% likely. Do we think that his pit road chicanery... Against there and um, Ty Gibbs bumping Eric Jones under caution twice is kind of making him rethink. Well, did they ever punish him for that? Other they than punished him, him a talking to. They punished him for pit road, sort of. They fined him, which obviously he's not going to pay. Going and then to. they gave it owner points because you can't give him driver points because <laughs> he doesn't qualify for driver points. So they. Took away owner points for a car that wasn't even in the playoffs to begin with on the owner side. So not really a penalty, to be to be honest. All right, let's dig in. Let's start talking about the Roval. Uh, two races this weekend. We get Xfinity and Cup Saturday and Sunday. The trucks are off this week. The trucks only have, like, two races left in the season. Yeah. Um, Xfinity runs Friday afternoon, I believe. Practice and qualifying is Saturday morning, so I will have a preliminary write-up just highlighting the road course drivers. Uh, that'll be available Saturday morning. I'll write that up Friday night. Uh, and then there will be updates following practice and qualifying. Uh, Matt, I'm guessing Cup Playbook will be up Saturday night into Sunday morning. Uh, Cup Playbook should be up like Saturday <clears throat> afternoon, probably. Nice. Um, I will get a jump on it. I don't know, Thursday, Friday, uh, <laughs> somewhere in there, depending on how the football schedule and what else breaks on the site. Um, so, oh, and NHL, I think, starts Friday, so I may have to do a little bit of stuff with the NHL tools. Um, but, yeah, I will have the, the playbook and projections and everything up Saturday afternoon um into saturday like dinner time and then the cup race is 2 p.m eastern on sunday on nbc so they're going straight up against uh the middle of nfl sunday um so that should be that should be interesting we'll see what the ratings look like uh f1 is also this weekend um for those of us that that actually what where they at this week uh japan which means the race happens at like one o'clock in the morning, East Coast time, Sunday morning. I don't know. It's very early. Um, everything is basically overnight for us. Um, so I will have a playbook out for that one. It probably will not be out as soon as practice and qualifying end because let's face it, it's going to end at like three o'clock in the morning. Uh, my time <laughs> on Saturday morning. So, uh, but it will be up. 
it will be up relatively early Saturday, so you should have a full day Saturday there to look at it if you are interested uh, in playing that. So yeah, that's kind of the content schedule. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right, talking the Roval. Uh, Chevy's, I believe, have won every single road course this year, as we highlighted earlier. Um, race-winning manufacturer Chevrolet is minus 150. Yeah. Is, what's that? <laughs> I said, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> uh, Ford is plus 230. Toyota is plus 400. Is there any sense in betting a Ford or Toyota, or are we pretty confident that it'll once again be a Chevy in victory lane? Um... I'm pretty confident it'll be a Chevy, but I could see. I mean, I could see scenarios in which a Toyota or a Ford would win. Obviously, you have higher odds with Ford simply because there's more of them on the track. Um, but, you know, I could see like Blaney or Cindric certainly. Um, you know, showing up. McDowell's a sneaky play for Ford. Cole Custer, by the way, has been very good at road courses uh, this year, if if people haven't been paying attention. Uh, he also was very good at the Roval last year before he had a late race incident. Would you take so, Custer at plus 350 for a top 10? Yeah, I probably would. <clears throat> probably would. He's like the last driver you get at like three and a half to one because he's plus three fifty, and this is DraftKings Sportsbook, and then it jumps uh, to plus eight hundred for Harrison Burton, Todd Gilliland, Elmarola, Haley, plus fifteen hundred for Stenhouse, Ty Dillon, uh, and then who we're assuming are going to be the back markers. Yeah, I mean, look, Cole Custer's run here twice. He's got a ninth place finish and an eighteenth place finish, but the eighteenth place finish. He spun late, but was running ninth at the time. So, he's clearly capable of finishing top 10 here. He's been pretty good at road courses this year, uh, if memory serves. Uh, for as much as we want to rag on Cole Custer normally, um, he's he's actually been pretty good at, at road races. Um, obviously the Brickyard was nuts, but he did move up from 24th to 9th at the Brickyard. Um, Road America, 15th place, started 10th. Um, so, you know, he's he's had some successes here on road courses this year. All right. Uh, we talked about Chase Elliott at the beginning of the podcast. Chase Elliott, Tyler Reddick, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, the four drivers, over 10,000 on DraftKings. Um, I'm going to play a mixture of the first three. I don't know how much uh, exposure I want to Denny Hamlin for this race, but I feel like I'd probably end up being heaviest on Tyler Reddick. He's out of the playoffs, but obviously, as we've seen, um, he has plenty to race for. He's still going to be wanting to collect wins. Uh, if he wins this weekend, I don't even think that this would be his last one of the season with Miami still on the schedule. Um, who yeah. do you like most at 10K? Uh, I'm I'm right there with you. It's those three. Hamlin's been okay here. Um, but at that price, I need better than okay. I need a guy who can, who has a legit shot of winning, and I just don't think of Denny Hamlin as a guy with a shot of winning at a road course. Like, I think of him as a guy who can finish solidly. But again, at 10-1, I need you. You're going to finish solidly? You better suck at qualifying. And then you become chalk because... Everybody expects you to finish well and get them the PD. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm probably even between Chase and Reddick there. And then I think Larson's kind of the sneaky guy over 10K okay. of those three. Uh, in the 9K range, we do have six drivers. William Byron, Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano. Obviously, we have a pair of Penske drivers. AJ Allmendinger, noted road course ringer, um, hasn't won this year. Well, he's actually won plenty of road courses in the Xfinity Series. Yes. Um, did win, I think it was Indy last year for the Cup Series in their yes. inaugural race, which was a mess. Uh, I mean, Christopher Bell is a pretty good road racer. His first career win in the Cup Series came at the Daytona road course. And then we have Ross Chastain at nine grand, whose price has been falling drastically. But he's 
been okay the last handful of races. He's been fourth, 13th, 6th, and 7th last week. He did end up leading 36 laps, but never count on that for a super speedway. Uh, is Ross Chastain earning his way back into our good graces? Did win a road course earlier this year. Yeah, I think I think he may actually be playable at, at this point at 9,000. Um, look, he's had three top seven finishes in the last four races. Um, obviously, one of those was Talladega. But, hey, he started sixth and finished fourth, so he held his own at Talladega. Um, it's 15 to 1 to win. I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. Due to the fact that he's won a road course this year, he finished fourth at Road America. Um, you know, he, he's he's done well. I will say this track is not really comparable to any of the other road courses, but it you can, like, when I say that, obviously the the driving style is similar. But we can't, like, I can't go, well, the Roval is similar to Coda because it's, it's not right. They're all each road is is different. This one's not even technically a road course. It's like a hybrid, but you know, we're, we're still basing. Um, if I guess the argument you could make for Ross Chastain is that he's won a road course this year. And at the Coke 600, he led over 150 laps with 66 fastest laps. Yeah. So if you, if you take that and then you mix in the road course success, it makes sense that he could do well here. Yeah, now here, analogy, I know. here's my question, though. Is this going to turn into, like, a Harvick Chase situation from last year? Between him and Hamlin? Or, I mean, Between him and everybody. That, <laughs> which is, like, half the field at this point. Like, that's my only concern, is this seems to be a place where guys try to target you because there's multiple ways to um, take somebody out here. Although Harvick peed himself and ran himself into the wall last year when trying to take out Chase Elliott. But um, that's my only hesitation with Chastain is it's getting to the point in the playoffs where we may start, you know, writing those checks to <laughs> to pay him back. Uh, what's the approach with AJ Allmendinger this week? Uh, I know it might boil down to really where he qualifies. Um, you play him. Finished 7th at Bristol, 2nd at Watkins Glen, 7th at the uh, at Indy. I mean, he's only run three races since the end of July. Um, that's a pretty good floor. Like, I've I've tried he to avoid He showed up with no practice at Gateway and finished top 10. The guy's a racer. Now we're going to put him on a track where he's run well Previously, in a car Actually, that, don't I think well. that he's won every race in the Xfinity Series at the Roval. I, I think I think you're right. That rings that rings relatively true. Um. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so since 2019, in 2019, 2020, and 2021, he won all three races in the Xfinity Series at the Roval. With a driver rating of at least 130 in every single race, and he led at least 10 laps in each race. 20, he led at least 20 in two of them. Yeah, and he finished seventh in his first race in the Roval in the Cup Series. Yeah, it's AJ Allmendinger. You play him on a road course. <laughs> All right, let's dip down to the AK range. Was there anyone else you wanted to touch on? Byron, Blaney, Logano. I mean, Logano. I don't really know. I don't know. I mean, Blaney obviously won here, as we said, maybe before recording. He accidentally won when Jimmy (laughs) Thompson took out Martin Truex in the final corner in the inaugural Roval race. Um, Byron is a sneaky good road racer, I will say. Um, And he's got that point penalty thing kind of still hanging over him, right? Like, he could be in or he could be out. Nobody really knows because he's got the 25-point penalty kind of hanging over him. So, uh, you know, clearly my favorite is Almendinger in this range. Um, I think it's also worth noting for Byron that he's finished top 12 in all five playoff races. There you go. Um, I think Chastain is a very, very good play. Um, 
Christopher Bell is an interesting guy. I, I don't know what to make of him right right now. See, I was going to touch on uh, him a little bit in the end of the podcast when we talk a little bit of strategy. Okay, well, we can save that till then. Sure. Um, all right, we'll dip into the 8K range. Not a lot. Well, actually, there's... Okay, we can talk. There's five drivers in the 8K range. Martin Truex Jr. is 8,800. Austin Sindrick, 86. Daniel Suarez, 85. Chase Briscoe, 83. And Kyle Busch, 8,100. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, it's almost as if like uh, DraftKings is just mailing it, mailing it in with his pricing as he is this season because he has finished outside 20th or worst in five straight races. Now, granted, two of those were actually uh, he was 10th at Daytona at the end of the season, but since the playoffs started, he's finished 30th, 26th, 34th, 36th, and 20th. Ugh. That's not a great run. That's <laughs> ugly. This is easily the cheapest he's been. That includes the Bushlight Clash at the Coliseum when he was. Um, I mean, well, he was free there because nobody they didn't have any pricing. But um, the Daytona Duels is the next cheapest he was at ninety two hundred bucks. Uh, so that's an exhibition race. You had to go. You had to go to go find his cheapest price. Um, yeah, man, I. Jesus, they knocked. $1,800 off of him since last week. Um, I can't he blame him. two top fives here. I can't blame him, but I also, like, can't not blame him at that price. Yeah. Because it's still Kyle Busch, and it's still the 18 team, and if he figures it out, he can absolutely be a threat to win. Like, but maybe they know something that, like, I don't know, it just... Part of me is like, well, it feels like a trap play, so don't do it. And then part of me is like, it feels like a trap play, so you got to step into the trap to try to beat them at their own game. Oh, I think I gave you, I think I gave you Kurtz numbers at the Rebel. Did we go Kurtz? What has Kyle's been? Looking, Let's see, what has Kyle Bush done? Average finish of 23.7. Yeah, you did. Yeah, Kurtz got two, two top. Uh, Kyle finished top five here last year, but outside of that, he's finished outside the top 25 in the these races with. Outside the top, but yeah, accident. top 30. He had 32, 37, 30, and fourth. Yeah. Uh, that's dicey, man. That's. <laughs> um, but all, what are we doing with Truex, though, to, to stick with the Toyota theme here? You know, I don't know, man. Like, so there was the narrative earlier in the year that, you know, the Toyotas were qualifying really well on these road courses, but then they would go out and they would just, on Sunday, and they would just run a completely, like, just an absolute dumpster fire race. Like, remember Sonoma when everyone Oh, was yeah, excited? I thought he was a free play at Sonoma, and he just sucked. Yeah, it's just very, he's another guy that it's hard to get excited about, but, I mean, the price is great, and he still has that, pedigree of being a great road course driver like prior to 2021 you know the class of the road the road ringers in the cup series was chase elliott and martin truex jr and kyle larson came in won a handful of races last year tyler reddick's won two road courses this year we've seen track house get two wins and so it's almost like truex just hasn't been on anybody's radar and not in the playoff picture i don't want to race this year it's just it's just been a heartbreaking season for him Maybe he can turn it around here. I uh, I have a very difficult time getting excited about the Toyotas this week. Yeah, you realize that Truex's finishes in the playoffs have been terrible, too. Mm-hmm. Like, 31, 31st at Darlington, 5th at um, Hollywood Casino, so Kansas. Uh, 36th at Bristol. 34th at Texas. And 26th at Talladega. Finished 14th, 7th, 7th, and 29th at the Yeah. Boy, and Robo has not been kind to him. Austin Sindrick, though, I'm going to play him simply because that guy can figure out any road course he's on. How have you done this year on them? Uh, Well, he was the only dude who could pass anybody at Sonoma. 
Started 25th, finished 5th. On yeah, a t- I do remember that. Yeah, good call. He'd never raced on before in competition. Yeah. And somehow figured out a way to pass people. He finished 2nd. He started 2nd and finished 2nd at Indy. Um, so, can't really say that the craziness had an effect on that because he started, he finished where he started. Now, he didn't lead any laps, um, but I'll take a top two finish. He ran solidly at the Glen, not not great. Um, Coda, Coda, he pulled off a top eight, started 10th, finished eighth. So... I don't really understand why a guy who got his entire start in racing in open wheel is this cheap. Right. Matt, I can hear your dog in the back. Yes, my dog is snoring. <laughs> um, it is what it is. My dog just snores. So we'll just keep rolling like nothing's going on. <laughs> um, and yes, I'm aware that he has not raced on the Roval in the Cup Series, but... He had never raced at Sonoma and still figured out how to pass 20 people. Yeah, I guess we can't really hold him hold it against him that he didn't have any wins on the Roval and Xfinity since A.J. Allmendinger's sweeping them all. I mean, yeah. Um, right. You want to dip into the 7K range? There's some interesting price tags. Yeah. Right. Kevin Harvick, uh, fresh off the massive penalty, 7,900. This, uh, <laughs> this, this would be a... I don't know, this track is probably haunting him from a, a year ago, but... He's 7,900. Chris Buescher is 7,800. Noah Graxon in the 48, so good equipment, and it's a Chevy, and they've dominated road courses this year. Uh, he is 7,600. Eric Jones, 7,400. Michael McDowell with 13 top 10s. Uh, career year for him, really. It's been phenomenal, even though he did win Daytona last year. Uh, he is also a noted road course specialist. Uh, credit to Matt for uh, really driving that narrative home for the last few years. Uh, Bubba Wallace, had a top five at uh, Indy Road Course earlier this year. He's openly said he doesn't really like road courses, and Brad Keselowski is 7K. So, obviously, we have quite a few names to discuss in this range. Who sticks out? I'm guessing it's probably going to be Michael McDowell is an obvious one. Bubba Wallace is probably an easy fade. I feel like Chris Buescher could be sneaky. Uh, Chris Buescher, yeah. I mean, do we all remember what happened at Sonoma? Because that guy was phenomenal there. Um, and then Brad Kislowski called him the most underrated driver in the garage, uh, which he won Bristol. I mean, he did win Bristol, and it's also not shocking that Kislowski, the guy that pays his paycheck, uh, <laughs> is paid his driver up. Um, but you know, Busher's had 11 top tens this year, so that's pretty impressive. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, Michael McDowell is probably the easy one in here, given his history on open wheel tracks. He's also come close to winning a couple of road races. Um, at the Roval, he's been hit or miss. So we've got, you know, a couple of finishes like 12th and 16th and then one 32nd place finish. So not not ideal. Busher, on the other hand, finished third here a year ago by the way, and then everything else has been 20th or better. So that's that's reasonably solid for a guy in this range. I don't know what to do with Kevin Harvick. I don't know if pissed off Harvick is is going to show up and just ruin everybody's day. Um, it's hard to peg him at this point. The last time that he got caught for cheating, he came back and dominated the next race and then pointed to the rear window like, hey, man. It's it's fixed now, and I still kicked your rear end. Um, that may happen this week. He's not usually thought of as a great road racer, but he does have three top 11 finishes here. So, I, I don't know. Uh, Noah Braxton in the 48. Uh, in the Xfinity Series, not the most elite numbers. There were obviously better drivers, uh, ranging from A.J. Allmendinger, Austin Sindrick, even Ty Gibbs scored more points. Uh, but strangely enough, this has been his best road course in the Xfinity Series. He's finished sixth last year, second in 2020, and fifth in 2019, and he did lead 16 laps in the 2020 race. Um, so if you're looking to buy into a cheap driver in really good equipment, uh, Noah Gregson does 
for some consideration. And we're just completely off Bubba unless he's starting dead last. I, I don't know, man. I made the fate of him even if he's starting last. I, he hates road courses. Like, has commented numerous times that he is not a fan of road courses at all. Um, so, I mean, I know that you hit the hit that big-ass bet on him in Indy, but let's face it, he needed 17 other cars to wreck out for that bet to hit. So, Yeah, I'm looking at his, aside from Indy, his road, his road results have been terrible. Horse this year. Yeah, they've been really bad. Like, really bad. <laughs> Easy fade if he's starting. It's probably a really good fade in GPPs if he's if you don't plan starting from the rear because see him getting like twenty to twenty five off percent. I mean, he started twenty third at Coda and still managed to finish thirty eighth. Finished twenty. He started twenty seventh at Sonoma and finished thirty sixth. Like, yes, he got a top five at Indy, but again, he needed all. 16 cars in front of him to wreck out for that to happen. Finish, started 23rd at Watkins Glen and finished 35th. So, you know, I know some of these things have been equipment related, uh, but not all of them. And at some point, you've got to wonder, does the equipment just suck? So, yeah, he's finished like in the 30s, basically, every road race except for indie road uh let's dip into the 6k range where we start to look first for our value plays you already touched on cole custer if you want to elaborate i will let you uh but we do have austin dillon at 6900 probably not a nice play this week unless he's starting last he's not he's not usually a very good road racer uh custer 67 ty gibbs is 65 hasn't looked great the last few playoff races uh 37th last week uh 20th 35th, 34th, top 15 at Darlington. Uh, it's been an adjustment for him. Uh, I wonder. I do wonder if he's a little burnt out because he's never really had a schedule like this. You know, he's running full-time at Xfinity. He's turned 20 years old. Yeah, and he's like now finishing the season for, in Kurt Busch's car. So he's, he is racing twice every weekend. Um, Eric Amarola, 64. Justin Haley, 62. Ricky Stenhouse is 6 thousand dollars is cole custer your clear-cut favorite out of this range yeah probably i mean if you want to go super cheap um there are kind of some interesting um guys like connor daly might be an interesting guy to just take a stab at in gpp he runs what indycar full-time yeah so he he might be now the equipment sucks, right? It's money team racing. Um it's it's not great, but as long as he doesn't have to pit, he may make up spots. Um I don't know, Joey Hand is injured. I mean, I know the results haven't necessarily been there for him, but I feel like he's run better than those results bear out at road courses. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, Justin Haley, maybe his teammates, AJ Allmendinger, so maybe he helps with setup on on the car. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, Cole Custer has been sneaky, sneaky good at road races, um, this year. And if the finishes haven't always borne out, the running position has been reasonably good. He also, if you look at, like, true true speed metrics, like green flag speeds and whatnot on road courses, he's top 12 in green flag speed this year on road courses. Um, so the speed has clearly been there. We just need the finishes to, to kind of cooperate with us here. Now, I know I alluded to... Uh, some strategy talk when we were kind of touching on Christopher Bell. My whole point, and this can apply to almost any driver, <clears throat> is that when we're talking road courses, you know, we've mentioned numerous times that there's fewer laps. I don't know how yes. many laps there are for this race. I'm guessing 80, 90, a bit over 100. 
let me check for you here. Either way. Uh, 400 mile race. I can't remember how many miles the uh, the actual track. I thought it was like three and a half or 3.6 miles. But my point is that, you know, if you're playing cash games or GPP, you, know, you don't need to lean on the dominator points too much. It's perfectly fine if you do build with one dominator. And it also helps if they get a top 10 finish. So they're not killing you too much by going backwards if they aren't leading laps. Yeah, uh, there's 100... You know, Nine, 109 laps is 252 miles. The 400 in the number is kilometers. Okay, so it's 109 laps. 75 dominator points or so. But my yeah. point is, like, take the PD where it's available to you. If we do get, you know, a popular guy or, or an elite driver in great equipment and they're starting towards the rear, whether with a just don't host a qualifying lap or if they just get loose and don't sustain any damage in cash games i'm not afraid to necessarily eat that chalk and just take the pd where it's available because we ultimately do need you know we do need drivers finishing very well and gaining pd maybe collecting some pd points as well but it also helps to get the winner in your lineup as well so you know at a road course where it all mostly just a lot of the success for your lineup is going to boil down to the PD and the finishing position of all five or six of your drivers, depending on the set that you're playing. Don't shy away from taking the PD when it's available to you. you know, and, and don't go too heavy on stacking guys starting towards the front because in all likelihood that's going to negatively correlate uh, your build and it's going to give you a very narrow path to being optimal. Yes, you're going to need... Um, unlike most other road courses, you can actually pass and, you know, there's a lot of changing of positions at the Roval typically, um, simply because it's half oval, half infield road course. Um, and there, there tends to be a lot of sneaky passing opportunities in this layout that people don't necessarily assume are there. So, um, I'm I'm with you. This one is about a PD build. If you get the guy that dominates the most laps, great. But there are ways to um to not have to have that guy in your lineup and still and still win. Like for example, let's say that Chase Elliott's on the pole and so you assume he's going to lead more than half the laps, right? So if you want him in your lineup, you automatically go down to 78.80 as your average driver that you can play. So if we go, okay, who else did we like? We're definitely playing Almondinger at 9,400, right? Dowell, we liked Austin Sindrick at 8,600. We liked Busher at 7,800, right? But now we're down to 6,800 for the last two spots, which gives us Custer at 67, and we can top out at Austin Dillon at 69. So, like... Your options at that point aren't great. So, yes, while you have Chase Elliott in your lineup and you're expecting him to be the dominator, you're now sacrificing the last spot in your lineup to go get the dominator points that may not be necessary, right? Let's say for sake of argument that Chastain is the better PD play, even though he's not going to dominate. Now your last spot can be a guy like Suarez at 8,500 or Kyle Busch at 8,100. Or McDowell at seventy three hundred, right? So even though we for we forego theoretically, this is again theoretical. We don't know the qualifying spots at this point. This is Wednesday night. I would rather have a lineup that was like Chastain, Almendinger, Sindrick, Busher, Custer, McDowell, which are all like PD and solid finish position plays, rather than. Four of those guys, Chase Elliott, and then some scrub like Joey Hand or, you know, something like that. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to touch on for this weekend's race? Honestly, I'm actually really looking forward to this weekend because there's no MMA. It's the MLB playoffs. Uh, NBA is not fully starting, and NHL is kind of getting the wheels rolling. So it's really just... Yeah, they start in, like, Russia. The NHL starts in, like, Europe somewhere. Oh, doing some... Okay, I guess that makes sense. Okay, so there's... There's two, it's like... um, 
I don't remember who's playing, but the same two teams are playing each other twice, like Friday and Saturday, over in Europe, um, in an interesting way to kick off the NHL season. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this too. I'm also looking forward to um, F1 at Suzuka. It's going to be a great, great. A wait for it. Hopefully, um, it's going to completely mess with my sleep schedule this weekend. 100%. It's going to be like I'm playing in London in the NFL. Um, <laughs> and, by the way, I know this is a NASCAR podcast, but if you're playing fantasy football, get up early and double-check your, your lineups for the London game. Don't sleep in and then complain your dude got taken out and you didn't know it. Be responsible. I agree. Uh, I told... Grande this story on the two minute drill podcast and I'll be brief, but I was up at around 3 a.m. Eastern time in the nest in the NFL discord. And I was helping one of our subs make the decision if he should start uh, Alvin Kamara or not. And I was under the mindset that he was going to play. You know, I know that he was limited in practice all last week, but this subscriber of ours was also in Hawaii. And so when it was 3 a.m. for me, it was like 9 or 10 p.m. at night for him and he was getting ready to go to bed. And I didn't want to tell him how to live his life. You know, what I should have said is, well, what I would do is I would just set an alarm, just make sure he's active and and just go back to sleep. But, like, he didn't do that. And I felt terrible when I got the news at 8 a.m. Sunday morning as uh, as I was jumping into the Discord and Kamara was out. And and my initial thought just went to, like, that one subscriber. And I felt terrible because, like, I I just knew there was no way I could wake him up and just get him to check his lineup. Uh, But I agree. Uh, you are responsible for your own lineups. Just, I live by the motto, like, I love to cover my ass as much as I possibly can. I know, like, not everything is under my control. But if I had, if I was in a spot where I could just set a quick alarm, 3 a.m. or 6 a.m., depending on what time zone I'm in, I'm going to do it and just set my lineup, make sure that I have a lot of guys in. Because 85% of the people in CBS Sports Leagues missed that news on, on Alvin Kamara. And he was starting in 17 out of 20 leagues. Yep. People wanted free switcheroos. And I was like, mm, no. Uh, but anyway, Matt, uh, also a uh, pretty solid podcast, I like to think, uh, for, you know, since we've kind of been a little sluggish the last couple of weeks. But obviously, yeah, by the talk. way, you didn't see the Monday Night Rants with Malin on it this past Monday. You can go back, it should be on demand um, in the Better Sports Network app and go. Go sure. on. It was actually a lot of fun. Uh, I thought it was just 15 your, minutes, but then uh, I not... with weird sandwiches. We didn't talk about that, actually. Really? Because I brought it up on my segment. He's like, I'm going to have to <laughs> on and ask him. I was like, he eats peanuts with the shells on. Yeah, true. He eats like mayo, peanut butter, lettuce sandwiches. Like... So true. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, solid breakdown for the role this week. Matt, best of luck to you uh, in Charlotte and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation. Hardy's two for five dollar breakfast bake goodness into your morning. Choose a biscuit with sausage and egg, biscuit and gravy, or French toast dips. Any two, just five dollars. Hardy's goodness in the making. These items only. Price and participation may vary. Tax not included.